Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action Fanatics, welcome to a very special edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I'm your host, Chris the Brain, and we are celebrating the seventh anniversary of BulletproofAction.com. And joining me for this, who else could be here? But the man who got me involved in all of this in the first place, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, happy seventh anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. This is one that uh, I'll actually remember from year to year. Um, and and it is a special episode of this podcast. And that's also a way that I've described you many times to my friends as a special, special person. Thank you very much. And we have a special guest. And he is one of the most popular Actually, I think he is the most popular personality yeah, on this podcast because none of us ever get compliments, but he gets the compliments. I'm talking about the toy man, Christy Petrillo. Chris, welcome back. Living up to my uh, nickname, say Zach Morris is being the most popular kid at Bayside High or at Bulletproof Action High, I guess you could say. There we go. Yeah. I mean, you are like, you know, this is if this is our SummerSlam, you are our John Cena. And uh, this is the summer of toy man right now. How very fitting, following in the family footsteps, you know, my big brother, John. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, you know, every year, Chad, we've been, uh, past few years, we've been doing a big special mega post Mm -hmm. on our anniversary. And this year, not only did we do the mega post, we are doing the podcast and we are counting down. It is our ultimate ninja movie countdown. We assembled a group of experts and uh well at least one expert and the rest of yeah, us yeah there we go um and you know we all we all pitched in with our uh, personal top fives and then we created the master list here of uh, the master lee van cleef anyway um <laughs> he didn't make the list uh but yeah we've got our ultimate ninja movie countdown as we celebrate bulletproofaction.com's seventh anniversary and of course we encourage you to check out the website each and every day there's something new on there and we've had a hell of a month so far. Uh, some great, I mean, we had Cynthia Rothrock. I love her. By I the way. know you do. I know you yeah. do. We, we've had Thorne Abaddon. <laughs> big, big fan. We've had our good friend Dolph Lundgren. We've had some Chuck Norris. We've had some Gary Daniels. I mean, we've had uh, Sonny Chiba. We've oh, had yeah. all kinds of people and whatever the hell Chad wrote about. We've had all sorts of things going on. Uh, but this one, this is what it's all. Uh, led to is this ultimate ninja movie countdown so guys if you're ready 
You want to get into this countdown? Let's, Let's do it. Let's. All right. Well, number 10 on the list, 1985's Pray for Death, probably show Kasugi's best non-canon movie. Uh, in this one, Kasugi plays Akira, Akira Saito, and he and his family move to America, start a business here, but they cross some bad, bad people, Chris. Uh, bad people, and especially one very bad person, Mr. Limehouse Willie. Limehouse Willie, played by James Booth. And, you know, this one was interesting, Chad, because on the surface, this guy doesn't look like he would be much of a no. uh, of a of an opponent, but somehow it works. And I, I think it just, cause he's such a nasty individual. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And he, he's uh, more than willing to do nasty things as well as, as we see in the film. And, and this is probably the Shokusugi movie that I remember the most. And I don't know if it's because of the, the mask and stuff, that gimmick. Yes. But uh, I think possibly it's because the VHS cover was just so memorable. It was so cool. Yeah, he's got that helmet with the shuriken built into it, and that is one of the most awesome things. And yeah, that's definitely the biggest takeaway from this movie for me is that helmet with the shuriken on it. Yeah, he was um, like a super ninja in this one. Yeah. He he really was. He really and, was. Uh, Back to the Shadows is an amazing, awesome song. Yes. If you remember that one, that's a pretty damn good song. Yeah, his non-canon stuff, he had those very dramatic openings to his uh, movies almost a performance art level stuff going on there. Uh, I definitely remember that in, uh, I think it was nine deaths of a ninja. There was some, some crazy, there's dancers and they have like the disco opening. Yeah. Yeah. Weird dancing thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and another, uh, a familiar face, Norman Burton uh, played the uh, cop in that one. And of course you'd recognize him. We'd all recognize him from, from Bloodsport. He, he was a Forrest Whitaker's partner. Yeah. And kind of the comic foil at off, oftentimes for Mr. Frank Dukes, JCVD. And of course we, the three of us cover that one right here on the Bulletproof podcast. Check the archives. As it's they all say over there, it's all over this damn site. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, another you know thing we should mention here is that Kane and Shane Kasugi were in the roles that they were literally born to play. That's right. See, I like that nice little play on words there. Shokasugi's sons. Uh, we saw Kane Kasugi in Revenge of the Ninja. And now both sons take center stage. Uh, very similar plot lines in ways to Revenge of the Ninja with the whole transplant from Japan to America and the secret ninja past and the protection of the family. Uh, a lot of a lot of allusions to his previous role, even though this was not a canon film. It was not. Uh, again, this was a, a trans world entertainment film after his uh, canon days uh, were over. Uh, he switched over to uh, TWE for a bit, made a couple pictures with them. As I said, uh, Nine Deaths of a Ninja and uh, what was it? Rage and Honor, I believe. Rage of it? Honor. Rage, Rage of Honor. Honor. That's Rage and Honor against Cynthia Rothrock movie along with Richard Norton. And somehow, for some reason, we've got uh, Rothrock on the brain. Uh, prior to this podcast chad wants her on something else yeah great tits by the way (laughs) see i think that pray for death might be my favorite title uh of shokazuki's uh filmography and maybe of all the movies on this list but it to me like the biggest problem with it is the the villain of course like yeah he's bad but when they go mano a mano at the end you're just like well uh, you you didn't like it You you didn't think it worked it worked for what it was, but 
it's yeah i mean you watch revenge of the ninja and then you watch this and you're like oh okay yeah they should have had somebody else well that's because at least in revenge of the ninja you know arthur roberts was covered up like you know you could kind of believe yes that he was doing something in this one you have james booth swinging a two by four like a bargain basement jim duggan just taking <laughs> oh! out <laughs> and uh yeah very you know the end fight was you know it was what it was it was entertaining but in a story like this it was a bit anticlimactic for what yeah. you could have gotten from shokasugi and the mansion scene is still my favorite because he does like 655 flips it's like a simone biles uh floor exercise out there <laughs> And, you know, and Booth, you know, really kind of a, an unsung hero. He, he wrote the movie. He also wrote Avenging Force and he had that small, he had that part in there too, where it was kind of hinted that he was that fifth member of the Pentangle that we never really find out if he was or not because we right. never got another Avenging Force movie. And he also was involved with American Ninja 2 writing that and American Ninja 4, The Annihilation. So James Booth was quite the, uh, you know, he provided a lot for action fans. and uh, loves ninjas. Know, he, and he apparently does love ninjas and you yeah. know, that makes him okay in my book for sure. No doubt. All right, let's move on. And this one I know is a favorite of all of us. Yeah. Uh, number nine, 1990s teenage mutant Ninja turtles. This thing released at the height of the Ninja turtle craze. I mean, this was perfect timing and Chris, I know this one really, really hits you in the heart. It does, because I was all about the Ninja Turtles from the time that first cartoon series dropped. So I was in the theater watching this one. I remember going to see it on a weekend afternoon. My mom even dragged my little sister along. Now, my sister is five years younger than me, so she would have been five at the time. And uh, everybody got to kick back and enjoy the Ninja Turtles uh, live and in color. And it was very different from the cartoon series uh more akin to what we got out of the comic book obviously not in the r-rated style but i appreciated the gritty feel because it, it made me feel like i was at an action movie and not a kid's movie right it was like a happy medium between the yeah. comic and, and the cartoon mm -hmm. um and yeah this one for me is what well, i think this is the only in fact i know it's the only movie on this list that i actually saw in the theater um yeah. chad cruz ninja turtles unbelievable same for me that's this is the only one on the list that i've actually sat in the theaters for and uh i was a couple years younger than chris but um i can remember my dad taking me and me just bouncing off the walls after it was over with just you know throwing crazy roundhouse kicks in the hallway and sweep kicking my mom and um it, it i watched it recently just a few years ago with my with my own son and and it was a little more uh gritty little little uh more adult focus that i remember uh, a little more violent um but that just makes it kind of hold up better to me um so I, I absolutely adore this movie and i even like the sequels so yeah i was gonna say it, it did spawn two sequels um you had judith hogue in there as april o'neill um which i think she did a great job uh probably not uh the piece of eye candy that Megan Fox would become in the, the reboots. But uh, Judith Hogue, she was a good April, Chris. She was, uh, and she was only in it for the one movie replaced by the time part two rolled around. But uh, I think that the 
most standout performer in the movie was uh, we get to see just how badass Casey Jones could be. I was going to say, yeah, Casey Jones was definitely one of those. It seems like every franchise has that one badass, cool character, you know, like a Boba Fett in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, you know, or Storm Shadow, perhaps, or Snake Eyes in, in G.I. Joe, depending on what side of the fence you want to be on. But yeah, Casey Jones needed to be in this movie, and I was so glad he was in it and, and doing what we saw him do. He's basically just a vigilante uh, on the streets of New York. And, you know, I'm a, a fan of New York vigilantes. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, we had the the vocal talents of Mr. Corey Feldman as uh, Donatello. And Robbie Rist, I want to mention as Michelangelo, of course, Robbie Rist, Milo, one of the greatest films of all time, Iron Eagle. And I believe he was also Cousin Oliver on The Brady Bunch. Not one of the greatest characters in TV history, for sure. Hmm. One, <laughs> one person got that reference. Well, you know, and to that one person, welcome to the Bulletproof Podcast. It was I'm Toy hoping, Man who got it. Hoping, hoping, well, that's good. Then he's here. And another, I got the reference, but I'm actually not a Brady Bunch fan. And we don't need to go into that one. But it's probably one of my least liked sitcoms of all time. Beautiful. That's good to hear. Yeah, we're, you know, I didn't say I liked it. I'm just reporting facts. Uh, another thing, this one, a Golden Harvest production. I thought that was pretty cool just because uh, Golden Harvest with their history with Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. It's nice to, you know, that they were still going in 1990 and producing something so memorable as a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. One of the, and if I'm not mistaken, that led to Ninja Turtles being the highest grossing independent film of all time. I believe you are correct, sir. At least at that time. I don't know if that record's been broken, but uh, yes, it was a huge hit without a doubt. I mean, definitely, you know, changed it. the fortunes of Teenage Mutant Ninja. I mean, they were real. That This was yeah. not just a fad. This kind of cemented them. And that's why we still are seeing them in various forms to this very day. And it's incredible to watch, go back and watch this film and then watch the, uh, you know, the reboot films they've done and, and just look at how much better they look in the 1990 version. Yeah. It's just incredible. Well, that's because in the new ones, they try to make them all souped up. Donatello uh, had like his glasses were magnifying glasses and what, you know, they had all these like super backpacks and everything on. Yeah. I, it, you know, and that's kind of a, something that happens across everything where they, they overcomplicate things where it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Correct. And uh, like uh, true to the teenage uh, teenagers in real life, all of the turtles are very, very horny. Yes. Yeah. And they love pizza. And they love pizza. They love, they're hungry and they're horny. Oh, that's not why they're horny. <laughs> no. 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 It's not some weird uh, f- uh, food fetish. No, we that we know of. We don't know. That, I mean, correct. That is true. I'm just, I never took it as one. So, all right. Well, Ninja Turtles, number nine on our list. Let's talk about number eight. This one was actually, and this was a, I debated this forever, but this was the number one movie on my personal top five. Wow. Ninja in the Dragon's Den, 1982, seasonal films. Uh, Chad, I know you love it. I love it too. The opening. Oh, the opening, the amazing music. Um, something about some of these early eighties ninja films that they just really get, they, they get a lot over in the credit sequences. 
And, and this film has that, uh, the legend of the ninja song. Um, I'm sure you, uh, Alfred, was it Alfredo chin singers? Yes, sir. Um, Alfredo pasta. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. Chicken Alfredo. Um, I'm getting hungry. Sorry. The, uh, the opening sequence you just, there's so much that happens in it as far as like, like you're going to know whether you want to watch this movie right. in the first five minutes or not. And it's that mainly because they show so much with these ninjas and they're doing such wild shit and the music just drag, like just grabs you and pulls you in. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. I don't know if I want to know somebody who could watch that and say, no, we need to shut this off. Right. Because you're an idiot. You are an absolute idiot. Chris, your thoughts on uh, Ninja in the Dragon's Den? Ninja in the Dragon's Den is one of the films that I have in my collection, but I could not tell you the last time I watched it. Oh, so you need to. my memories of it are fairly vague just because it's been so long. But uh, I would be remiss in not mentioning the fact that uh, the great Corey Yoon was responsible for bringing us this film. Right. And again, you know, big part of, of seasonal films. And this was kind of a, you know, seasonal was an independent group out of Hong Kong. Uh, and this th was them collaborating with a Japanese production and kind of maybe in, in a lot of ways, I feel it anyway, I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe got them thinking, Hey, we could do this in other countries as well. And that's what got them over to America for no retreat, no surrender just a few years later. And then the amazing run they had here, the, uh, the seasonal seven, are seven of the best action movies of all time, in my opinion. And I'm sure one day we will be discussing that. But uh, Conan Lee, Chad, he is excellent. And that stilt fight, I mean, yes. come on. I mean, we're, I've never seen anything like that anywhere else before in my life. Yeah, and there's several scenes in this film that are like that. You know, from the opening, you know, the opening reminded me of uh, the way the ninjas are played up in the opening of this film is kind of like the duel to the death, which... Um, I don't want to spoil whether or not made the list or not, but that another incredible movie that uh, has also has ninjas that don't play the main role in the film, but uh, the, the stilt fight um, like many of the films on this list. Also, you have like this kind of buddy comedy kind of gimmick to it. Like the, the two heroes team up and they end up fighting against a single, a singular villain in the end. Right. Um, which, you know, a lot of action movies don't like doing that, it seems like, in, in modern day films, uh, or at least in the last 20 years, um, because they always want to make the hero kind of on equal footing. But back then you would have two on one, three on one. I yep. mean, there's, I mean, I know I'm into that kind of stuff, but <laughs> as far as these movies go, like it works so well because Conan Lee and Hiroyuki Sonata, who's had like a career resurgence in recent years, uh, they, they work so well off each off each other when they fight and when they kind of tell jokes and, yeah. and talk shit to people. And, uh, you know, I, I've said that too. And I think I, I've mentioned that even when I was on the, uh, I think it was when I was on the clones cast talking about, you know, the old Kung Fu movies and yeah, it's odd, you know, especially coming from the professional wrestling mindset where you wouldn't have two baby faces, double teaming a heel. Right. But this happens all the time in, in these Kung Fu movies. And I'm glad you brought up Sonata because obviously, I mean, here's a guy who definitely just, looks and feels like an actual ninja. Yeah. He comes in with all the gadgets, all the tricks in this one. Um, it, it's, it's perfect. And yeah, him and Conan Lee have great chemistry first as rivals, then as teammates. And uh, 
and yeah, and just the, that whole the seasonal film vibe. There's just something about those movies. They had their own feel. And again, we would see that later when they came over with with the No Retreat, No Surrender series, King of the Kickboxer, American Shell, and all those great films. Um, there's yeah, there's a mix of comedy, there's a mix of action, and it's not just action. It is over the top, crazy ass yes. Hong Kong stuntman action that you are only going to see in these kind of movies. And I love it, absolutely love this movie. And yeah, it was it was torture choosing between this one and one other movie. And we'll get to that down the road. But my favorite quote from this film, Chad, uh, would you allow me to share that? I would love for you, for you to say this. Yes. Here go we go. You can do battle with your strength. You can do battle with your wits, but no weapon can beat a great pair of tits. <laughs> That's if you, interesting. If you, know, writing. you know, right. That is interesting writing. That is a great job. Ninja in the Dragon's Den, number eight on the list. Now, this next one, I'm gonna we're gonna have to lean on you, Chad. Yeah. I don't know about you, Toy Man, if you've seen this one or not. I know I have not, but I know this is this is pure Chad Cruz right here. Number seven, the Shogun Assassin from 1980. Uh, this is a lone wolf and cub, kind of a mashup of some of their earlier movies, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yes, and I'm actually a little surprised it made the list. I don't believe that I had it in my top five because I, you know, I just look at this film a little. I don't see it as a ninja film, and there's tons of ninjas in it. And the the whole Lone Wolf and Cub series is essentially just one clan, the Yagyu clan, sending assassins and ninjas after Ogami Ito for seven films and two or I think two seasons of television series, and then another film down the road, but. So it's essentially just this Ronin traveling around, killing ninjas constantly in various ways and severing limbs and chopping people off with geysers of blood everywhere. And and this is the uh, the first two films of the franchise kind of mashed up into one feature length film. So it kind of takes a lot of that, those, those good parts from the first two movies, uh, some of the action packed stuff and, and shoves them into one film, which, you know, for me as a... Uh, I, I want to watch the the entire film. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the, the originals, how they're, how they were made the Lone Wolf Cub one and two. Uh, I can't remember the titles for them, but as if you're going to, if you're short on time and uh, you know, you want to watch a dubbed version, Shogun Assassin is still phenomenal so for the action of, that it brings. So this is kind of like the best of, uh, of this is the two. best of, this is the highlight reel from the first two films. But, yeah. This one, a big favorite of Matthew Whitaker, uh, who was one of our experts. And of course I just mentioned earlier, Matthew yeah. is the host of the clones cast. So yeah, he, he definitely was a champion of this one and, and uh, was partial reason why this one made the list. Nice. Yeah. Chris, there's any thoughts on Shogun assassin or is this one, uh, are you like me and have not seen this one? Uh, I'm aware of it, and I could not tell you if and when I've seen it all the way through. I think the most I may have seen has just been highlights of it. Uh, I'm aware of it standing, but kind of like Chad said, I'm kind of surprised that this one really made the cut because it was not anything that came to the forefront of my mind when selecting my list. Well, and that's, you know, why we we reach out to others and and get some other opinions out there. And, And, you know, one of the things I like to do when we do these lists, if there are movies that made the list that I've never seen. Well, now I make it a point. Like I need to check down. this out because obviously it, it's resonating with people and I need to see it and see what, what all the hype is about. We have to do our homework. And these are, un, you know, the, the lone wolf and cub films are unbelievably su- successful and have these huge cult followings. 
Um, but you know, you know how I know it's good. Cause deep pockets, Chad Cruz actually shelled out the cash for the criterion collection. So that tells master. me that this thing has to be, cause he has short arms, deep pockets, Cruz yeah. went out and you know, dust came out of the wallet. <laughs> a moth f- flew out, but he got himself the criterion collection. And I'm like, Oh shit, this has got to be good. Cause Cruz don't just drop money. No, he's not you, like a dollar tree drunk. Patrillo <laughs> over there. Do you, do you, you, you want to hear, you want to hear something impressive. Um, you want to hear how much um, how much of a big spender I am? Uh, my car has three hundred and forty thousand miles on it. Mm. Mm. So take that. Are you doing the Al Bundy thing where when it hits a million? <laughs> I'm hoping, dude. I'm shooting for five hundred. I'm not. I'm not switching out till it hits five hundred. All right, but, well, uh, you're yeah. Check close. this movie out. I mean, I'm, I would pedal the 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 entire series. You know, don't just go for the highlight reel, but watch all of them. They're great. All right. Number six on the list. Another one that I've never seen. I don't think any of us have seen it. So we're not going to talk about this one for long, but this one definitely has a reputation. It's Ninja Scroll 1993. Uh, manga inspired movie. It's a it's anime, so it's not a live action, but it's very highly regarded. I mean, this one has got you, you check out an IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. This thing has got nothing but love. Uh Keith Rainville, who is a, a, from Vintage Ninja.net, our one and only legitimate expert on this panel, I would say, uh, he he wrote in his little write up on the site. And again, you can check out the the mega post on the site right now as well as you're listening to the three of us muddle our way through some of these movies we have very little knowledge of. Uh, but when he put that there's a sword and shuriken combat in the treetops, I'm like, okay, I need to see what this is all about because I am a fan when shuriken get involved in a ninja fight 100 percent. and you know what's funny is i i've actually read vintage ninja for years right i've been visiting his site for several years and i there i've watched movies based on his reviews and him talking about some of these really old black and white films yes uh, i'm sure his list was full of them yes uh, and I, some of them i've found some i most i have not but uh yeah, if he's if he's saying it's great, then I'm assuming that it really is great. Right, I, I would agree. And uh, yeah, so I know Ryan Campbell, uh, who joins us here on the on the podcast from time to time, and is obviously a contributor on BulletproofAction.com. Also a big fan of this one. I mean, this is uh, again very highly regarded. And if you're an anime fan, you probably already know about it. But if you're a ninja fan and you haven't seen it, it sounds like you might want to check it out. Because I know I I'm going to I'm going to do my best to find this one and check it out. How about you, Chad? Yeah, no. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, we're getting into the top five now. And what a way to kick off the top five. We're talking about 2013 Ninja Shadow of a Tear. I think it's safe to say the superior sequel, Chris, to 2009's Ninja with uh, Scott Adkins as Casey Bowman in both of those films. I would agree. And this is actually a movie that, although I had seen it years prior, one that turned up in one of those amazing Dollar Tree drops. Nice. There we go. Dollar Tree D. Petrillo. D- the DT <laughs> connection. That's it. Scott Adkins has made more appearances at Dollar Tree than he has in movies, I think. <laughs> and, you know, this is just a classic revenge tale. Adkins' pregnant wife is murdered 
which Bastards. is never a smart thing to do when the guy you who's married to uh, is a badass like Scott Adkins. Uh, it's another collaboration with uh, Isaac Florentine, who was one of the one of Adkins' go-to directors. That those two work well together. Um, one of the things I like most about this movie is it's got Kane Kasugi. Who, you know, growing up watching these ninja movies, Kane was a big part. We talked about him in Pray for Death. He's in Revenge of the Ninja. He's in uh, Black Eagle. Um, but he's a very different type of person in this one, though, Chad Cruz. Not the nice little kid that we once knew. Yeah, he's all grown up. Um, as in, he's he's an adult now. Correct. Those movies were filmed a long time ago. Correct. But he, he plays uh, the best friend of Casey Bowman and um spoiler alert he's a traitorous bastard so uh we get to watch uh some incredible fight scenes you know anytime scott atkins is it you know he makes a shit ton of movies he makes a a ton of amazing fight scenes and between him and florentine they've probably done about nine thousand great fight (laughs) scenes and uh this one is no different him and kankasui kind of go all out they go room to room different weapons um you know if i'm going to kind of put one knock on this film is that he doesn't wear the ninja outfit enough. You know, he wears it for like 10 minutes. So, um, but the fight, he's an American ninja. It's, it's similar. It's a ding, but the bar fight, the fight with King Kasugi, King Kasugi, and then a couple other smaller fight scenes are all incredible. I would agree. I mean, and and again, this one definitely blows the original one out of the water. Um, although I didn't hate that one, but you no. know, I, I, you know, I don't think anyone had that on their their list. Just a spoiler alert: nobody picked Ninja as in their top five. So, in a countdown about Ninja movies, nobody picked Ninja. Right? Wow. Just, yeah, not even just accidentally, like they forgot to finish typing. They hit send. <laughs> right. Too early. Right. So, Ninja Shadow Batir number five, Scott Atkins. Good to have him on here. And of course, uh, Mike Scott from the uh, Adkins Undisputed podcast, one of the uh, panel of experts. And guess what was his number one movie? That's all I have to say. All right. Number four. Oh, is this one. Is this one one of the most wonderful movies I've ever seen in my life? We're just going to sit back and let you talk about this. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. Again, do we say this is a superior sequel to 1985's American Ninja? I know a lot of people will. Yeah, Um, I would agree. And, you know, I I think, Chris, you said it best on one of our podcasts that this is the Godfather 2 of Ninja movies. Yes. And and I still stand by that assessment. Uh, You know, American Ninja 1, you know, it sowed the seeds. It gave us the introductions to the major players. But. American Ninja 2, I mean, it is just, it's balls to the wall action. It's got a great set piece with them being on the island. It's just a fun movie. I mean, it's it's everything that you could ask for from an action movie. I can rewatch this movie multiple times in a week. And I think Toy Man knows and that you for, do. for a yeah. fact. Because there were, <laughs> there were times where if I was like searching for something, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch the Blind Beggar Bar fight one more time. And that usually ended up meaning three more times <laughs> so yeah the blind beggar bar fight is absolutely my favorite scene in this movie we've talked about it on our bar fight episode which i think was episode two um yeah. you know it's just great it, it there's the comedy there's steve james who is just amazing uh michael dudikoff of course the star of it all even old larry poindexter gets involved in that thing 
Um, this one directed by Sam Furstenberg, who is of course canon royalty, basically. Um, yeah, they're they're on the Caribbean island investigating the disappearance of Marines. And uh, Chad, just right there, you've got that, that whole little bit of conflict where these Army Rangers are now yeah. posing as Marines. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I didn't notice that. I didn't get it as a kid. Uh, then as I grew up and served some time in the military myself, I'm like, what? <laughs> How's this? Why would that happen? But uh, everybody, every character that returns from the original to the sequel is kind of treated better. Like, like Steve James is cooler. He has, I think he's got more scenes. His fights yeah. are cooler. Like uh, Dudikoff is more comfortable in the role. I think his fighting skills look better. Um, like everybody just, I don't know. They're, they're just kind of, yeah, they just I, look better, more crisp, and and, yeah. and much cooler. Than the in, in the first one, you know, Duty's almost kind of emo, like he's he's real yeah. moody and kind of the, the 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 silent loner. He's but like now, a teenager. Yeah, and now he's like him and and Steve James are basically equals in this yeah. one too. I think Steve James is more the sidekick in the original. Where here they're they're kind of they're they're a full on tag team, Chris. Yeah, they're like the mega powers of canon films. Oh, oh God. Could you so imagine good. that handshake? Could you imagine that? <laughs> mm, yeah. It, might, it would probably be like a much cooler handshake. That wouldn't just be like a normal shake. It would be like a... They'd probably flip or something first. or hell yeah. Like maybe shake in air and then land on their feet. Steve James would have no sleeves on either. He'd have no shirt on, period. That's true. Also He'd that, have no yes. shirt on, period. And, and, it, and the music too in this one. Uh, George S. Clinton, you know, part of the reason that Blind Beggar Bar Fight is so awesome is that music where it really gives that uh, Caribbean vibe, even though the film was made in South Africa. But, you know, it helps the illusion. And another thing about that Blind Beggar Bar Fight, because I want to keep talking about Blind Beggar (laughs) Bar Fight, is the bowling pin sound when everybody piles on Steve James and he he just pushes them all off like he's the goddamn Incredible Hulk. Uh, Steve James, rest in peace. I love you, man. You are you are amazing. And this movie the old roar spot. Amazing, amazing film. 1987's American Ninja Two: The Confrontation. Uh, number four. Number three. We might we may have said American Ninja Two is superior, but the original American Ninja 1985 beat it out. I think it was really within one point. Yeah. When I, when I was calculating. And you know what? I think the reason for that is Chad, Judy Aronson. I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, she's she's kind of the the wild card that that pushed this one over the top for me. Like I said, I think the characters are all treated better in the second one, but this is kind of this is the original, and it has the original love of my life, Judy Aronson, in it. So um, I don't, yeah. I can't recall what my list looked like, but if I had to make a list of top hotties, Judy Aronson number one. <laughs> Yeah. Now, did she become your first love because of American Ninja? She was my first love because of American Ninja. I went to the barbershop to get my haircut like Michael Dudikoff so I could get Judy Aronson because it's all about that hairstyle, bro. Okay, you didn't take your shower with a clothes on like in Weird Science to try to get her from that movie? No, because I hadn't seen <laughs> that one yet. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, American Ninja before Weird Science. Oh, yes. All right. And, and you know, we get, uh, again, this was Michael Dudikoff's like, they first foray into the action world and he definitely proved himself in there. You get the, the, the start of that Michael Dudikoff, Steve James magic. And Chris, this is really just kind of an offshoot of what Canon had already done with the uh, show Kasugi Ninja trilogy. Yeah. And it's basically just uh, 
kind of like role reversal type of stuff. Whereas, you know, Shokasugi came to America, you know, Revenge of the Ninja. You know, we talked about how he was like, a, you know, did the whole transplant thing. With this one, it was that, you know, Michael Dudikoff was basically sucked into this world of ninjutsu because he was, uh, you know, orphaned or a drifter or whatever terminology you want to use. You know, he was kind of a, you know, a man without a country and joined the army and had that whole mysterious, you know, emo vibe going for him. And little did we know that he was really a ninja killing machine. Yeah, he barely even knew it. He didn't really remember how he knew how to be a ninja killing machine. Um, yeah. It all comes together. You get to John Fujioka in there, which is, you know, a great character actor. Yes. And another guy who do deserves some love here, Chad. He played the Black Star Ninja, Tadashi Yamashita. Oh, yeah. And Black Star Ninja is uh, an amazing villain because he he looks and moves and feels like a ninja, but he doesn't do anything stupid either. You know, a lot of these movies, they always have like this badass villain who always ends up doing something really dumb and kind of ruining the vibe. And he never does that. He just continues to be a badass for the entire film. And uh, yeah, and he has like a laser that he shoots for no reason. Yeah, and again, and I think I may have mentioned this before on a podcast. I always forget about that laser. No matter how many times I've watched it, when that laser starts going off, I think it was on our American Ninja podcast, as a matter of fact, that would make the most sense as opposed to <laughs> talking about it during, I don't know, uh, RoboCop. Um yeah, that laser is awesome. Um, so yeah, when he when he does that, I pop every time. Yep. Good, good job, Tadashi. All right, are we ready for the number two movie? Nineteen eighty-two, Five Elements Ninjas, and this is another one I have never seen, and this is the one I'm most ashamed of that I've never seen. This is a pretty crazy one, sir. <laughs> This one from the Shaw Brothers. Uh, Chris, what do you got to say about it? Uh, if you have never seen this, you should see it. Now, granted, it has been some time since I've watched it all the way through. But really, if you just want some trippy, amazing WTF style ninja action, watch like the last 10, 15 minutes and you will have your cup full for a good month. There will be no need to watch anything else ninjutsu in that time period because it will stick with you for years and years as it has to me. Chad Cruz. Yeah, this this one here, it was, uh, it was certainly on my list. I'm surprised to see it at number two, and I'm I'm happy, very happy that it's here at number two because that means more people have watched it than I thought. And uh, I, I know I, I watched it for the very first time just a handful of years ago. And it was a shitty quality that I found on YouTube. And I was blown away by, by just how amazing it was, how crazy it was. And the fight scenes in it, there's just a, there's like no end to what they'll do in it. You know, there's a, a clan that is trying to eliminate another clan. So they essentially hire all these ninjas to take them out. It happens. You know, the ninjas essentially <laughs> kill all these guys. You're like, holy shit. This, they actually succeeded. Ninjas never kill everybody. But one guy escapes, of course, and then he decides to train to be a ninja uh, or trains it with nin ninjutsu and gets these skills. That way he could uh, kind of start this new crew and go back after him. And then when that happens, you're it's on the floor. It's so great. 
uh, we talk about the ninjas wearing all the different colors and having the different gimmicks. You've got like the fucking tree ninja who's like hiding the trees. And then you've got like the watery ninjas who are wearing blue and they're hiding out in the lake. And it, it really feels like when they filmed this, they, they could have done this on like a, uh, you could do like a, a production, like a, a play, a Broadway play of five element ninjas. And you could just keep uh, shove, shoving the, uh, the stage to the left. And you can have like some fake trees out there with dudes in it. You could probably do this whole film on a Broadway stage, and I would pay to see that shit. Let's write it. I mean, uh, Broadway's yeah. been shut down because of the pandemic. They're going to yeah. be in need of some stuff. Let's do it. You wear ninja masks. You're already ha- you're already masked, man. Everybody wears a ninja mask. <laughs> you know, I think uh, oh Reese Madigan uh, is a, a Broadway guy uh, from American Shell, and I bet he could help us out with this. Oh yeah, well, go ahead and contact him, Brain. I I will reach out to him on the uh, social media as soon as possible. So yeah, Five Elements Ninjas, I definitely want to check this one out. I've heard nothing but great things, and you can read the the glorious write-ups about this, again, on BulletproofAction.com right now. Um, yeah, number two, that's, that's, a good, that's a sweet spot to be in. But the sweetest spot to be in is obviously the top spot. And we're talking about the number one movie on our Ultimate Ninja Movie Countdown, 1983's Revenge of the Ninja, and this is the movie that I was torn that, that I didn't put it as my number one, that Ninja uh, in the dragons and kind of just eked it out. But uh, so many other people did pick this as number one. And for very good reason, because Chris, this is show Kasugi at his finest. It is. And this, I was one of those people who picked this as uh, his number one. This was the first R rated movie that I ever saw. This is the first Ninja movie that I can recall seeing and quite simply, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I can recite it. I have it memorized. Uh, it is also somewhat of a family tradition now because it has become the first R-rated movie that my son has ever seen. Oh, wow. And we have enjoyed it together. So, uh, you know, don't uh, don't fire me for bad parenting. I know he's only six years old. You know, I told him to hide his eyes in certain actually Ferrari parts. But uh, <laughs> where she forgot as... her pants, you mean? Those are my favorite <laughs> scenes of the movie, by the way. There's a surprise. But, uh, yeah, I was just, I, you know, I was, I was waiting to uh, see if he said anything else so I could throw another like Rothrock zinger at him, but you stepped in there. <laughs> you picked up the ball and ran with it. But uh, no, back to Revenge of the Ninja, just everything about it. I mean, you know, granted, there is a lot of absurdity in it too. You know, uh, you know, the whole 80s trope of everybody in the gang has to look like some type of different culture or character or something. But uh, Shokasugi kicks ass all the way through. And the soundtrack, especially when he decides to break his mm-hmm. oath and fully become the ninja again, is purely epic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this I, I'm right there with you. I, I know this is my first ninja movie. I know this is my first canon movie. It may or may not been in my first R-rated movie, but it, it's probably, you know, up there. It's probably the one maybe that my parents knew about. Maybe I should say. I don't know. Maybe. definitely the one that my parents knew about because uh my cousin had taped it off television for me but he had the tape at his house for a while until he finally just gave up and gave it to me forever but i made my mom rent this movie for me a good four or five times yeah it, it's 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 worth every rental it, absolutely chad cruz yeah. your favorite parts you mentioned uh your girl ashley yeah ashley in that tank top i mean she got into it with old professor Tora tanaka and she got into Tora Tanaka. She also fought a child. Uh, Kane Kasugi in his, his acting Kasugi. debut. 
she also there's also a, a grandma who does a bunch of flips oh, and she's a ninja a ninja grandma incredible. is amazing um i mean when you you watch ninja movies you watch it for the ninjas you don't you don't expect some uh some plot line that's going to you know change the way you think about you know life itself or some shit <laughs> so when you when you put this film on and it gets to the last 20 minutes you 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 know that you did the right thing because the final act of this movie the final the final scenes of this movie are so incredible and uh it's pretty obvious why this movie became why it got number one uh, when you watch uh you know shokasugi kind of in his little ninja gear throwing shurikens and and swinging a sword of people it's just uh poetry in motion the things he blows out of his mouth yeah spikes a guy in the face what about keith vitale we got to mention him chris yeah, as shows uh, Buddy over at the precinct, and there is a great scene, uh, the scene where they go down to the park, the playground, and they both decide to kick ass, and then uh, Keith decides to help out at the climax. So we get a little bit of uh, an American Ninja-style team-up for a while, but uh, make no bones about it, this is the show Kasugi show. It absolutely is, and you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking, Arthur Roberts who they wisely put behind the silver mask. So Arthur Roberts, who has, I'm sure, zero ninja skills. <laughs> what? Was able to uh, kind of just sneak in there. And uh, he, he plays the the friend of uh, Shokasugi, who uh, was a... a Brayden. Yes, Brayden. He was a traitor. And he was using Sho's fine dolls from Japan to smuggle drugs into the country. That bastard yeah i knew it seems to be a theme with the friends of ninjas in these movies and that's a you know who would do, you know if i was friends with a ninja i'd probably be on my best behavior at all times but these these people in the movies are stupid and they just screw them over left and right you know who was a good friend steve james that's right when you're friends with a ninja time is taken away man because you're probably going to get offed by somebody probably and probably by the ninja yeah somebody ninjas in enemy of a ninja it's going to kill you and of course we also learned in this film that only a ninja could stop a ninja and uh i think that's really what you need to know if, if you if you go away learning one thing from watching ninja movies that probably is it so basically don't screw with ninjas uh or you'll die you know i was i was actually watching this uh not long ago and it was in the final moments of the film. The two ninjas were fighting. And my son walked in and uh, I, I let the boy watch. Uh, he said, uh, <laughs> what, what are you watching? I said, oh, I'm watching this ninja movie. And he said, why are the two ninjas fighting each other? And I said, because only a ninja can stop a ninja. <laughs> That's good parenting right yep. there. All right. Well, there it is. Our ultimate ninja movie countdown, uh, 1983 revenge of the ninja number one. And so richly deserved. Um, I, I love this list. I think it had a lot of great variety in it. Um, and, uh, book end by show Kasugi movies. You can't go wrong. This may be the best list we've ever done. Probably. Yes. Chris, any final ninja movie thoughts? No, I have to say that out of the whole list, I'm in agreement with pretty much everything on here. You know, even though that I have not seen Ninja Scroll and I'm not a huge anime fan, I certainly understand its place in the history. So there's nothing, uh, I don't think that there's anything glaring that was omitted here. I mean, obviously some old fan favorites like Enter the Ninja and The Domination, you know, I'm sure certain ones of us might have voted for those movies, but I think we've got a pretty solid lineup of the top 10 Ninja movies of all time here. 
Yeah, and just a reminder, uh, we will be releasing an honorable mentions list, which uh, we'll have another 10 that didn't quite make the cut here, but uh, you might see some of those uh, movies that you just mentioned, uh, Chris, on that list. So stay tuned to BulletproofAction.com for that. Chad, any final Ninja Movie thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's there's not any uh, incredible surprises here, uh, you know. Ninja Scroll I've not seen like you guys. Uh, I was surprised to see Shogun Assassin on there, but uh, Duel to the Death is one of my favorite ninja films of all time. And it's not really a ninja film. There are ninjas in it a lot, and they're badass as hell. So uh, I'm hoping that'll make the other list. Uh, other than that, I think it's a fantastic list. It's the, the biggest surprise is the fact that it took us this many episodes to do a ninja countdown. Because we've done, what, 40-some episodes? This is 48, yeah. 48th episode. We finally got to Ninjas, and we've been doing this for far too long. And, you know, um, I'm glad you brought that up, because actually, uh, Sorev Dutt, uh, one of our loyal listeners out there, and I know he's yeah, listening right guy. now, he actually was the one who sent the suggestion months and months ago, hey, why don't you guys do one about Ninja movies? And I took that idea, and I put it on the shelf, because I knew... That would be perfect, not only for a podcast, yeah. but for our anniversary mega post. And, uh, you know, to to quote the great Hannibal Smith, I love it when a plan comes together. And it certainly came together here for this uh, seventh anniversary celebration. And I want to thank both of you gentlemen for joining me for this. Uh, and I want to remind everybody to check us out on social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook. And Chris, you're here. We got to ask, any ninja figures in the works or, or what's going on over at Figures Toy Company? So there's nothing in the works, but you'd be happy to know that one of our latest ventures is that we are crafting um, new head sculpts uh, and eventually fully formed figures. But uh, first, the head sculpts are going to be compatible with the new fully articulated 7-inch retro bodies, the S-type bodies, as they're known, uh, that we now have available for some of our DC Comics figures. So we're doing a mummy, a werewolf, a vampire, a clown. But I have made the suggestion that we do some ninjas. Oh. Yes. So if I can get Smart. that to come to fruition, because ninjas are public domain characters. Everybody loves a ninja. Anyone can do a ninja. So... If I can get some ninjas mixed in with these monsters somehow, um, it is something that I am looking forward to doing. So the suggestion has been made. Uh, actually talked to my boss about it just a few hours ago during a phone conversation, brought it up for the second time. So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, there's plenty of other stuff in the works at Figures Toy Company. I don't have any estimated dates of arrival just yet because the world is still in the middle of crazy town. But I am expecting the first ever PCO, uh, the first ever modern style Alex Wright, uh, the Ring of Honor Roosh, and the all-ego Ethan Page figures to be in relatively soon, uh, as well as more stuff from the DC Comics line. Uh, we have a couple of new sets of Three Stooges coming in. Lots of cool stuff coming out and plenty of cool stuff already available at figurestoycompany.com. Uh, you can follow us on social media, Twitter. It's at Figures Toy Co. On Instagram and Facebook, just look up the company name. We also own and operate Wrestling Superstore. Just look up the company name again on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, it's at WRES underscore Superstore. And you can follow me for my reviews, for my toy information at Figures Toy Company, for pop culture awesomeness, for pictures of me and my kid, at Zach Malibu. And let's talk about a company that you, at this point, have to have a minority stake in. <laughs> I'm talking about Dollar Tree. Any uh, Dollar Tree updates? I know I have a. I picked up a Dolph Lundgren movie. I have to get uh, sent over to Chad. 
Uh, yes, actually, last week was another one of the famous Dollar Tree DVD drops. Uh, this haul, as most tend to be, a lot of repeats this wave, but uh, our good buddy Scott Adkins uh, made an appearance uh, with No Surrender and The Debt Collector this time around. So I am now the mm-hmm. proud owner of both of those films on the DVD format. Uh, picked up Fraggle Rock Season 1 for my son, which showed up over for there. For son, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I know I was never a huge Muppets fan, but he still likes the Muppets. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's get him some Fraggle Rock. Let him check it out. Uh, A couple of DC animated movies made the cut. I know he got a Lego Justice League one, a couple other ones. But yeah, not too much. A lot of it was uh, some stuff that even I'm kind of like shaking my head at. Like, eh, how much do I really need that even for a buck? So hoping that the next drop is more plentiful as far as the uh, action and horror stuff that I tend to drift towards. Well, I am glad to see that there's even a line in your world that you won't cross. <laughs> Listen, if it's a movie that's free on Tubi and even Tubi can't keep me interested in it, why waste a buck? Right. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, Chad Cruz, have you had any uh, Dollar Tree fun lately? Or oh, Man, I wish I could. I, I prepared for that. Uh, I have. I, I've been ever since he's been playing him up so hard. I Every time I see one, I try to stop if I have time and. And I've picked up a couple of movies in the last month, probably, but I, I couldn't tell you what they were off the top of my head. That's how important they were to me. Um, now, the $64,000 question, have either of you watched any of the movies from your care packages? I have. I have watched a couple of them, but I couldn't remember which ones they are. I don't think I have, but I have a list. I have like 75 unopened movies sitting at my house at any given time. So. <laughs> That's I I hey, even before Dollar Tree came around, I think I still have some movies with Circuit City tags. I I know I have some wrestling DVDs with Circuit City tags on it uh, because I would just buy them because well, it's part of the collection and like I'm never gonna watch this again. It's like buying art. It's just even if it's there for display, it'll catch someone's eye and it'll be a conversation piece someday. Yeah, that's true. And as long as it's somebody I want to have a conversation with, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of artwork, uh, you mentioned doing the Ninja figures at Figures Toy Company. I think that's a phenomenal idea because um, nobody just buys one Ninja. You buy like 10. So Yeah, you army build. Yeah, that's right. you buy one werewolf, but you buy seven Ninjas. So it's a great idea. Uh, if you need someone to model the figure after, I would be more than willing to, to put on a Ninja uh, costume and model it for you just so you know we can take some photos we'll just make sure that sworn to justice is off of the computer in the background well we don't have, I any, don't make, have anything illicit in the ads i want to make myself look good <laughs> <laughs> a vision yeah a visual <laughs> fluffer um so chad cruz may or may not be uh the uh, ninja figure uh yes chad is going to sign his likeness away to the public domain that ninja sword nothing. better be the only thing that's stabbing people, Chad. <laughs> well, let's not go too far with this. Yeah, we wouldn't want to do that on this program. All right, well, there's our Dollar Tree update, Figures Toy Company update. Uh, next time, Chad, I'm going to watch something you've been wanting me to watch for quite yes. some time. Uh, one of your all-time favorites. Why don't you tell everybody about what we're going to be discussing on episode 49. Episode 49, uh, it's not a special anniversary episode, but that's okay because it's special to me because we will be watching and doing a bit of a deep dive on the 1984 film Streets of Fire. Um, just a remarkable movie. I, I adore this film for reasons that we'll get into next time. Um, 
Michael Paré, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, William Defoe, uh, Amy Madigan. There's just so many great actors. Bill Paxton. Um, it's it's one of those movies that uh, you it's either you you love it or you hate it. I mean, it, I've loaned it to people countless times, and I've either heard that it was how did I miss this movie? Where did this come from? Why didn't I see this in the '80s? Or this was a dog shit. <laughs> this is the worst film I've ever seen. So I've heard it all. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Brain thinks about it. Uh, it. It's one of those films that I could talk about forever. I, I will say this, and I have never seen this film again. This will be a first time watch for me. I am confident. I am 110% confident it will be better than that unofficial Albert Pune sequence yes. that we watched. Uh, it so It's a million times better. It's directed and written by Walter Hill. I mean, Walter Hill uh, as a director in the 80s was, I mean, he lights out. Like everything he did was great. And uh, just him as a writer in this film, it was like his kind of like his uh, something that he had dreamt of writing. You know what I mean? Like it was like one of those things that he wanted to do since he was young. So I love it. Uh, no, no pressure on you brain. If you don't love it, I hate you forever. So that doesn't really affect me in any way if you hate me or not. Well, that, that hurts a little bit. Well, it should, and that's what it was meant to. No, but uh, no, I, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, I, I will definitely give it a fair shot. Um, even though you now have told me people absolutely call it dog shit, that kind of worries me a little bit. But <laughs> I'm going to go in with as clean of slate as possible and just uh, try to. Exp- I, I know you're not the only person who's told me that this movie is a great movie and that Good. I should watch it. So. All right. Well, I think we're out of time, guys. So thank you once again. This has been a great episode celebrating seven years of BulletproofAction.com. Again, everybody, check out the site, BulletproofAction.com. Each and every day we've got something up there. Um, And uh, as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.